Hi, and welcome to Comchurch Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray that it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk that you're about to hear. Hi there, Julian and Sarah and the Comchurch family. It's so good to be able to use this modern means of communication to share an Easter message with you all. These are extraordinary days, aren't they? And we're we're discovering fresh ways of connecting together to celebrate Jesus. And this weekend, which for us as the church is probably the most important weekend of the year, means we have to join together in this way to declare the wonderful truth that Christ is risen. Today, I want to encourage you by reminding you that he still moves stones. Like us to look at how Mark records in his gospel the resurrection of Jesus and the problem faced by the women going to anoint the body of Jesus after his death. In Mark 16, the first four verses, Mark tells us this. On Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus's body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. There were two significant problems that faced these three ladies on that really remarkable first Easter Sunday morning. One was the problem of how to get beyond the Roman guards who were there protecting the tomb where Jesus's body lay. Matthew's gospel tells us that the soldiers were there because the leading Jewish priests and Pharisees had asked Pilate to ensure that the disciples of Jesus didn't attempt to steal his body and then tell everyone he'd been raised from the dead. But the second problem was that large stone that covered the entrance to the tomb. One writer has suggested that the stone needed to cover the opening of the tomb would have been disc shaped and maybe between four to six feet in diameter and approximately one foot thick. Depending on the type of stone used, it could have weighed between one to two tonnes. That's 2,000 to 4,000 pounds. And so it's not unusual that the women had this question, who's going to move this stone from us, this huge obstacle in the way from them getting into the tomb. A large rock posed a major problem for these friends of Jesus, but it didn't pose a problem for Jesus because the resurrection is the news that no human obstacle is big enough to stop the Son of God bringing life where death exists. In this context, a stone can be that immovable obstacle that stands in the way of life and hope. That stone moving on the first Easter Sunday morning was the beginning of a dramatic transformation in the lives of some of the people closest to Jesus. In the last two chapters of John's Gospel, we see some wonderful news of how huge obstructive issues in the lives of some of the followers of Jesus were moved by an encounter with the risen Christ. The first person to encounter Jesus in this way was Mary. For her, Jesus moved a stone of grief. She was bereaved and grief-stricken. This pain of loss stood in the way for her and she couldn't see beyond it. She'd experienced such hope in Jesus for a new way of life. 
He had shown her true love and brought peace into her tormented world. Yet as she stood outside of the tomb of Jesus, she was overcome with grief. This obstacle stood before her until she heard one word, her own name, Mary. At first she thought the man was the gardener, but then his voice broke through her grief. It wasn't the sound of her name that moved her stone of grief, but the voice that spoke it. In that moment, everything changed. John tells us that Mary turned to him and cried out, Rabboni. Grief can hold you captive, not just the loss of a loved one, but the grief of losing all kinds of things that mean so much in life. Friends, opportunities, dreams, aspirations. It just takes hearing the voice of Jesus in our souls to realise there is always hope. So many in our country are grieving the loss of a loved one today to this awful virus. And we can't say anything to take away the pain, but Jesus can. He can speak new hope to despairing souls. The resurrection of Jesus is a message to the world that not even death can steal the hope that knowing Jesus brings to our lives. Is grief holding you back? Is it standing in your way? You don't have to try to move it. You could just ask Jesus to move it for you. He's so good at moving gravestones. But then we see the disciples of Jesus whose way ahead was blocked by a stone of fear. It's really interesting to see that the disciples of Jesus were in self-imposed lockdown. Well, we know what that feels like, don't we? Their leader was gone, their, their movement stopped, their dreams had been hijacked and, and they were afraid. They were afraid of Jewish religious leaders. They were afraid of the Romans. They feared for their lives, so they locked themselves away. John tells us, though, that suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Fear is a crippling human emotion that I guess we've all felt at some time or another. Some people are paralysed by fear, and it definitely is one of our enemy's sharpest weapons. Fear tells us that things are going to get worse, that awful things are ahead and that we're powerless to change them. You may feel powerless today, I know, but Jesus is not. Don't let fear stand in your way. Ask Jesus to move that stone of fear and set you free to trust him in every situation. As we face a viral pandemic today, we also face a pandemic of fear. It's stirred up by press reports and doomsday predictions. But today I choose to trust Jesus and his care for my life and my family. I won't let a stone of fear blind me to a God of love and compassion. The disciples were locked away in that room, but they also heard one word that transformed their situation, peace. It was the same word and the same voice that had stilled that raging storm on Galilee's notorious sea. They'd been afraid that night, really afraid. But Jesus had commanded the wild storm to stop and it did. And he did the same in that room as he rolled away their stone of fear and revealed himself to them as the one who has conquered death. The Bible can be really funny sometimes, I think, because John says in what I think is beautiful understatement, they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. I bet they were because that stone of fear had been removed and a new faith, a new vigour filled their souls. But something was missing that day. Someone was missing and that was Judas. 
He'd been somewhere else and doing something else. He hadn't seen Jesus. And when the disciples told him that they'd seen the Lord, he was overwhelmed by a stone of doubt. It seems he was a cautious, thoughtful and logical man. Thomas was obstructed by his doubt. Effectively, he said, God's not big enough to do that. Until that is, Jesus returned to the same room a week later. But this time, Thomas was there. And one word challenged his immovable stone when Jesus said, see. It's as if Jesus was saying, go on, Thomas, have a look at my hands and my side. Is that enough to move your doubt away so that you can believe? It feels very human to doubt. It's hard sometimes to see God in the way that other people seem to. When things are tough, it's easier to wonder if God is real, if God really cares, if God really does and can break through in my situation. Thomas discovered that the proof of Christ's victory over death is there for all who will look and who will see. If you do, you'll see that a Roman cross and a grave could not stop the Son of God rising again and establishing the central truth of the Christian faith. Jesus is alive. And if Jesus is alive, then he will surely keep his promises to care for us and protect us. But notice one other person in John chapter 21 who had a stone in his life that just seems immovable. And that was Peter. Peter was so disappointed with himself for denying that he knew Jesus on the night that Jesus was arrested. And it seemed to haunt him. He was being obstructed by a stone of failure. Peter couldn't forget his broken promise. He told Jesus in front of all the disciples that he would never deny Jesus. In fact, he said he'd be willing to die for Jesus. But when the crunch time came, he couldn't. And he had sworn, literally sworn, that he didn't know Jesus. I love how Jesus uses just the right words to move Peter's stone of failure away. When Jesus said, follow me. Just as he had the first time he called Peter to be his disciple. Peter could now move forward and live out the divine purpose for his life. And these are the kinds of things that came out from that empty tomb. The Christian writer Lee Strobel wrote this. Jesus Christ did not come into this world to make bad people good. He came into this world to make dead people live. And the resurrection of Jesus reminds us that the challenges we face are not insurmountable. The resurrection tells us that our stones are movable. God's power to move the obstacles in our lives is greater than Satan's power to keep them in place. The resurrections of both Lazarus and Jesus were preceded by the removal of a tombstone. John tells us what happened at Bethany, the home of Mary, Martha and Lazarus. He says that Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. And if you know this Bible account, you'll know he then called into the tomb and commanded Lazarus to come out. And today he calls to you and I to move beyond the stones that have stood in the way of us truly experiencing the life Jesus offers. He makes the same declaration today that he did all those years ago. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. 
the theologian N.T. Wright has written, Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonise earth with the life of heaven. God's desire for us is life, and he's promised to us the kind of life that death cannot conquer. Look at what we read in Romans 8 verse 11. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. He still moves stones and can move yours today. Doesn't matter what kind of obstacle stands in the way of you truly experiencing the life God offers you. It's not big enough to stop him. God wants you to come alive to him today, just as he wants to come alive to you. And that is the message of Easter. It isn't just that Jesus is alive, it's that Jesus is alive in me, working in me, whatever problems I face and whatever challenges that I have. And so today, let's declare that over our lives. Christ is risen in me and in us. And I pray a real blessing over you this Easter time. God bless you all. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless you.